G'day listeners and welcome back to a very exciting episode. I'm pumped for this one. Welcome back to the Matter Mentality Podcast where we talk all things training, nutrition and psychology to optimize your performance. Today or this morning, well it's yesterday for you, we are joined by a very, very special guest that feels like we have known each other for 10 years and it's been about three months. The queen of men's health and TRT in America, Ali Gilbert. How are we, my dear? Wow, thank you so much. I feel like I've been anticipating this podcast for years. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy that we we literally only started if, like right before the event we both spoke at, uh, started chatting. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be instant bros with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a message. I can't remember what it was about. It was something to do with either testosterone or something to do with TRT. And I was like, yeah, that's why I fucking hate people to do this. And we we're just like, oh, we're going to get along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as you find like one thing that you just like go off on a tangent on, you're like, okay, yeah, totally get it. Instead. <laughs> Tangents um. are my thing. We have this, we're, we're looking at my other, the other podcast that I'm a co-host on. And we're going to do, um, we're going to do like a, like a segment. And like, you know, you know, like those cheesy nineties, like it's Ben's rants. We're going to do that as like, cause I just rant in every episode. So we're just going to make it a fucking segment. Just like, it's just going to be a catchphrase. I don't know. It's going to be something, but literally because every episode there's a, all right, this has pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of that in, I mean, in our demographic with men's health, like there's a lot that people do mm-hmm. wrong, especially over there and in the U S and then you and I, tend to care about what we do so much that we get overly heated and we're just going at preaching to the choir, but it's still, it's nice to vent because as you know, there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing. And there's a lot of times that guys can get hurt Mm -hmm. if they listen to the wrong people. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of, um, pretty much going to be the point of the entire chat right now really is that it's going to be an uninterrupted vent and an uninterrupted rant because well, there's only two like-minded people here. No one else to interrupt and get in the way. This is true. And if anyone's listening or watching this who is easily offended, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think enough of my listeners at this point, as few as there are, and hopefully there's more, have <laughs> gone around to having thick skin and not giving a shit because I don't give a shit. So the chances are that you probably haven't been offended yet. Otherwise, I'd find out. Um, all right. So bit of background about you we are we know there's some things coming up that we're going to talk about before the end so we're going to give you plenty of chance to make sure that you leave a, a big impact about uh what's coming up for you guys so that we can share more about it but give us the background that led to all these things happening give us the background of ali tell us the story tell us all about golf and your tiger wood swing because we we need to know that story i'm just over hyping you now so that you have to like you're gonna, <laughs> under, you're gonna underwhelm the story <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that exciting guys um so long story, really short, but not so short because I'm old. So when I graduated college, I had a g- degree in exercise science and everybody wants to train athletes. Mm-hmm. So I was cool. I'm going to train athletes. And you realize they're fucking broke. So I was like, this is not going to work. And the town I grew up in was very wealthy, had a lot of guys that played golf. And I was like, oh, these guys can afford to train. Golf's a sport. I'm going to learn about golf. So golf fitness actually has a certification attached to it. And it was like a major deal. So I went in all in on that. And that brought me predominantly men as a clientele. Mm -hmm. And this is circa like 2008. So I was like, all right, well, do you want to know what I was doing in 2008? Do you want to know what I was doing in 2008? 
No, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Were you in middle school? No, I was like one year off my senior year. <laughs> Yo, I graduated college in 03. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so one. like, you know, five years after college, I was like, it's what I want to do. And uh, so I, I was training all dudes. And then I realized like, okay, they take like random supplements. They don't go to the doctor. They don't get their hormones tested. Like we were talking a lot about nutrition and everything, even though mm -hmm. these are golfers, but the, the conversation would gravitate towards like, well, how do I get a six pack? How do I mm -hmm. look a little bit more jacked, fill out my golf shirt? Don't look like a slob, like stuff like that. So basically I realized men's health had a gap in it. There weren't a lot mm -hmm. of people talking about some of the issues surrounding it like testosterone replacement because that was so taboo yep. god forbid you're on trt <laughs> like you're on steroids and then you're don't you know, say the gonna, t word oh my god it's gonna <laughs> kill you it's illegal all these things and, and i was like no so yeah i just attended medical conferences and learned everything i could about men's hormones um because i'm naturally like I get along with guys very easily just from my demeanor and I'm a meathead and whatever. So it was just a great, like natural transition for my career. Well, here we are. Now we deal with guys. I mm -hmm. do remote online, um, remote online, the same shit. So it, it's been a long day over here. So <laughs> bear with me, but hundred percent online coaching with men. I have three coaches that work with me Beautiful. and we focus getting guys jacked and shreddy and all of that stuff. But I did train people in person for like 18 years um, before moving completely online. I love it. Um, quick couple of tangents because there's going to be about five different things that I ask in here is <laughs> I think a really important skill that coaches miss um, is like everyone nowadays, they, they see the glitz and glamour of like online coaching, right? Not many of them are putting the yards and the trenches on the on the gym floor in the in the facility, like face to face with people. And I think that's such a missed skill. Like I talk about it all the time, given that I get to be lucky. I say lucky, but I'm choosing it to study psychology and performance coaching um, as a subject here in Australia. My degree is based in clinical psychology, so you learn a lot of the so, the soft clinical counseling theory, um, yeah. which a lot of that is client centric coaching. Basically, it's the same thing as what I'm establishing. But a lot of coaches don't have that rapport building, social skills, face-to-face. -face. Like any of the mentorees that I'm working with at the moment, any of my young guys that come on that are learning about fitness industry and want to get jacked and want to look better so they can draw in clients, I'm literally telling them, get on the fucking gym floor. Like stop this rush to be face-to-face -face, uh, online. And, you know, I just want to be the guy with the coffee at the beach and looking like I'm living the holiday life. It's like get on the gym floor, build your pay packet, get your clients' results, like – have that skill as a skill, being able to talk to people face-to-face -face and hold conversations because you already struggle to build networks online when all you do is send checking videos, right? Oh my God. it It's funny because like online coaching used to not be cool. So in mm -hmm. like the mid to late 2000s, like we would, we would not look favorably on online coaches because they would be considered people that never worked with anyone in person. Mm -hmm. And literally they would have their feet up on a towel in Bali at yep. the beach. And like, that was the life. And you're just like, what? Like these guys don't train people in person and blah, 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 blah. And obviously since 2020, like there's been a massive mm -hmm. saturation in online coaching. And I do get asked 
often, I'm sure you too, like, do you think people should train in person before going online? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yo, would you trust a mechanic working on your car if he only looked at YouTube videos of working on cars? Like, probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No? I'm self-taught. Cool. Yeah. Like, but in addition, like you said, like being able to get in front of multiple personalities mm -hmm. and orthopedic issues and just learning how to navigate that, I think is so crucial because then that bleeds into online coaching, but you can kind of pick up subtle cues as to how people operate or mm -hmm. what they respond to best, which is very difficult compared to when you're in person and you can kind of feel or, or, you know, read their energy. 100%. So, like, yeah, it's such a, it's such a skill that I feel like, how would you even adapt that online if you've never done that in person? Exactly. And like, it's, it's already so hard to cue and coach people through online videos and online training as it is where, you know, people are missing pieces of data or they're not realizing you need a certain angle on the camera in person. You've got, you get to deal with that stuff instantaneously. Like, you know, you're asking questions, probing ideas. Hey, your, your legs are moving this way. Let's try and correct your feet here. Let's try and open the stance up so we can get a deeper squat. Let's try and do this so we can get a better straighter back in the deadlift, whatever it is. But if you're online and they're forgetting to get the right angle of the video or they're forgetting to send a check-in, like that stuff makes it harder to coach. So not having that skill or rapport just that you get from face-to-face -face makes it difficult. Yeah, it it's funny because I do tell guys, and I've learned this with coaching men, you have to be very specific and, yep. and you have to not provide too much info, yep. but it's got to be structured. Yeah. Take it from 45 degrees and behind. <laughs> and then I get a deadlift that's like from the front and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? It's like, it's like <laughs> the, the Insta girl, the Insta girl squat videos where it's like up your booty. And it's like, <laughs> what, what, what am I assessing here? <laughs> or the, the crotch shots with the bench are the best. I'm like, yeah. dude, thank you. Thank you for the ball shot. Like, I love that. <laughs> and sometimes they're just oblivious and they don't know they're doing it but uh, anyway anyway separate tangent we're gonna, we're gonna rant about that now next as well um okay so let's go back to golf um in the sense that it's interesting the way you mentioned because i see this in the literature i see this in what we're studying is yeah. even guys in sports where you think it won't be a concern we have this weird i don't want to say to be this weird notion that you know, body image and uh, sexualization and expected beauty standards are heavy in females. And don't get me wrong, it is, sure, before anyone tries to attack me there. However, what we actually see in the literature is that as a whole, when we look at body image, dysmor muscle dysmorphia comes under the sense of body dysmorphia and body image. Men dominate that field of the umbrella term. So we're seeing, I mean, if you think about it growing up, I look back at my childhood, my childhood, we're looking at, there was action man figures, there was Hulk figures, Thor figures, GI Joe figures, action men that basically just like had shredded six packs and pecs from like the second you can open a toy. And people were like, oh, but women have Barbie. Like, yes, you do. But we also had action man and we had the six pack Ken, but well, we didn't really have him. You guys did, but we get the point. And so you get like, there's this immediacy that, well, almost like this dismissed belief that men have these body image concerns. But how often do you hear, if you don't have a six pack and six figures and six inches, you're not the what we want, blah, 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 blah. Like we're drilling into men. You need to have these things to be worth value, to be wanted, to be desired. And so you're getting even golfers who do nothing but play with a shirt on, be like, yeah, I want a better swing, but I want to be able to fuck good naked. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's funny because, 
golfers are also the same population similar next to women that are afraid of getting too jacked and <laughs> yeah it's like it's so funny because i'm like guys like your goblet squatting 40 pounds twice a week you'll be okay don't worry <laughs> we have guys trying to get bigger <laughs> <laughs> but it it's golf is a sport that that does not have a history of weightlifting for it like yeah when I did my strength and conditioning internship in 2003 in senior year, working with the golf team, like you basically, it was a program from scratch because they were normally doing the football program. Like there was no real strength and conditioning for Love golf. Love specificity. Yeah. Football, golf, you know, same shit. But like, <laughs> why not? You know, but then again, they're like, oh my God, I don't want to look like the football players and stuff like that. But if you think about it, it's really, it's, it's not different than any other rotary sport, like baseball and, yeah. and hockey, Cricket, uh, the hockey swing and the golf swing are very similar, actually, you know? Um, so it, it's training the same way, but again, they had this fear that it was special and that a lot mm -hmm. of things would fuck up their swing. And one of those things being very jacked and very shreddy. And if you look at the physique of golfers, like it wasn't anything impressive until Tiger Woods came on the scene mm -hmm. in 95. I think you were born 95. Thank you. Yeah. So you didn't even I'm, know. I'm a true you 90s know. child. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a true 80s baby. Thank you. So yeah, Tiger made like working out cool. And I mean, there's a lot of golfers that thought he was super jacked. You know, like, he, and I'm like, he's really not that big. He's like third string JV, like maybe, you know, 18 year old big of this guy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, but getting back to like the body dysmorphia, like I remember looking into GI Joe's and how they evolved over the years. Like if you look at the one based off the, the 1940s model, which was like mm -hmm. the first model, he looked like a triathlete, like skinny, yeah. little muscle tone, blah, blah, blah. And then as they evolved, like you said, it was like super shredded, like 14 mm -hmm. pack and all that stuff. So of course, guys are going to be like, well, if these are the superheroes and these, this is what women want and stuff like that, then there's a pre added pressure for that. And similar with the bodybuilding world, like look at how the demand for bigger physiques has increased mm -hmm. and evolved over time, like to a level where it can be very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. but, dude, at the same time, we're now celebrating dad bods or being overly fat and mm -hmm. having a less than healthy physique and stuff like that so it's very confusing for both men and women because you can't look a certain way without getting shamed for it whether it's fit or not i mean i'm sure you walking through the united states airports you saw what the general look is right so our, you know, I was talking with our friend Dave, who I said, when you come over here, everybody's shredding for Silverback, which is my event in November. And I said, don't worry, you don't really have to be much closer to shredded than how you are to fit in in America. Because <laughs> that's like being an outlier, you know, so it it's weird because people like you and I, we constantly want to look better and, mm -hmm. and strive for like something that it seems completely unattainable by most of earth. Mm -hmm. The way that you and I look now is already different than what the majority of people 
look like or understand even like I think that's one thing is like they misunderstand us that was something it was almost a culture shock to me to be in a place so laissez and not in the sense of like oh no one gives a shit it was just like the first couple of stays were there that the the crew hadn't arrived yet no one had come in for the summit we were in different places we we're traveling around a bit me and brooklyn were seeing things going around and doing stuff with cav but also like just off and about and it was such a culture shock to see the like the availabilities of foods the locations of foods how easy it was to access certain things versus like where's all the gyms versus where's all the group stuff versus where's all the fitness shops and like it was just such a difference of you know what's acceptable and what's normal and what's you know we were up at 6 a.m getting our steps in because we couldn't sleep and we we're just getting a coffee dunkin donuts is sold out at 7 a.m 6 a.m with everyone getting a coffee and a donut to start their day i mean you see that stuff you're just like wow we really are like if we're looking at you know i often like to use stats in this podcast when i can but if we're looking at standard deviations on the bell curves we're so far positive two deviations away even in my worst season even in my worst or worst is a strong word even in my like peak off season and i'm done growing and my blood glucose is up and my body fat is at its like peak growth phase i'm like tired i'm low in cardiovascular fitness because i've just put on 30 kilos of stage weight or, or off season weight before cutting down again i still do cardio every day i still do my vegetables still do protein still do my training sessions still do all that stuff which puts me so far away from the normal american male in regards to like fitness activity levels, like I put on the presentation, right? Less than yeah. 95% consume greens per week as they're recommended. Less than 25% of Americans do both aerobic and uh, resistance-based training three times a week. Like you start to see what, uh, there was a really good quote I saw where it was, uh, there's never been a better time to be great because the standard of greatness is so small to achieve right now because everyone is so satisfied with average and doing the least that it's almost not even a question like it's not even a challenge to be great right now and that's you know it sounds very egotistical but it's true i love the quotes that you post from like the philosophical pages and stuff like that i love it because it really is very thought-provoking as to like the state of earth right now but mm -hmm. You know, and I don't want people to think that we think that we're some sort of elitist because I don't no. think that we are. And it, it's not. more, we're not. And and we both want people to live a healthier life. And I think a lot of people misunderstand our encouragement or our, our disgust in embracing poor health. Mm -hmm. um, they, they think that we're just hating and we're not because it's like, yo, if you want to live a longer life, if you want to play with your kids, if you want to be yeah. alive to walk your daughter down the aisle, or if you actually want to be able to go upstairs and not feel like you're going to pass out this part of health and being an optimal man and being alive and protecting your family and all of that stuff goes along with it. So I think part of the mission to make these guys better guys and be the man that they know that they can be, that is like, it's breaking out and they know that it exists, but they just don't feel like they did. I want to say why we're passionate about it. I claim bullshit to every man that has said they don't have a hero, a hero archetype story in their head. And like for anyone not really understanding archetypes is because very Carl Jung, Jungian based psychology concept that there are certain archetypes or personality types that exist across our subconscious. And we generally have these same sort of notions and people fit into them. It's quite cool. But 
movies started to use it, it became very prominent in Western culture and movies and storytelling it always has been. But I call bullshit to every male that says at some point in their life, they've not created or thought of a hero archetype story that they want to live out. And that to yeah. me is the thing we're supposed to be pushing towards. The reason why we started matter and the reason why we use both brain and uh, brawn, if you will, or the physique as a representation is that often bodybuilding is a physiological manifestation of the psychological goal or subconscious goal that a person has. We're using the physique to bring out you as a person at the elite level, because that's what you deep down want. And I think that's like such a representation of where you could go. And it's not that like oh, having a six pack makes me better than you or makes me, you know, X person greater than someone else. It's that in order to get the six pack, the physique, the stage look, it requires self-discipline, delayed gratification, goal setting, striving, uh, sacrifices. It requires consistency, intensity, purpose. Like everything has a mission, has a choice, has an option. It comes with consequences. It comes with responsibility. Once you have it, it's how you obtain it and maintain it. All those things start to add up into the long term of the male or female. And that to me is the mission of what we do. Like you said, we're, we're, we're trying to get you to the, the final quarter as healthy as possible. Do you want to be 75 and still training or do you want to be 75 and needing a stick and a walk and you can't get your stick up? Yeah. I want to be the guy who's like in LA at Gold's Gym, super tan. I don't want to be the guy. I want to be the woman. Sorry. <laughs> but go by the comments you've been receiving. Oh my God. Yeah. I might as well like transition because I'm Jay Cutler's sister, but um, yeah. Jealous. So, like I've actually, I've made a meme out of it because one of my girlfriends who is a bodybuilder who's been commenting, they said she looks like Lou Ferrigno. So I was like, yo, there's a photo of Jay and Lou together and we can be them for Halloween and just lean yes. into it. <laughs> Love it. But, that's a tangent, but um, yeah, like at, at Gold's Gym in LA, I don't know if you've ever been there yet at Venice Beach, you'll see 75 plus year olds, super tan, veins, shredded, and they're still training men and women. And it's just like freaking awesome. Like they're living the life like that. That's where we want to be. And that's what we're trying to help people get towards. Um, and I think that like a lot of the times when people see someone who looks the part or is a bodybuilder or a physique athlete or just looks shredded, they automatically think self-absorbed, mm -hmm. narcissistic, all that stuff. You and I were like respect, like mm -hmm. they have discipline, they've mm -hmm. got a work ethic, like immediate, like when you walk into the room, you just command respect immediately. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to say a word just because of the way you look. Yeah. It, it's such a, like, it's more of a true reflection of society and the sadness of the sense that we've got to a point where being physically fit or being aware of your nutrition or being physically active in the gym is considered a chore. It's considered like, you see like how often, like most of my day consists of the same meals. If I'm going through a growth phase or a cut phase, I'll change the quantities of my carb sources, depending on if we're trying to get more volume in. But even in my, in my, in my like general maintenance phases of life, if I'm going through a point in time where I'm like dropping body fat, I always hit my five serves of veggies. I hit my two serves or three serves of fruit. I hit like X amount of water. I have X amount of protein, all that jazz. Just those healthy guidelines that I presented at the summit that I said, this is what most of my people go through. People will consider that dieting. They will consider that yeah. like an extremity, right? Because we see that that's so far from the bell curve that people will be like, oh, you guys are like obsessive. Like that's crazy. But no, it's just that we're so acceptable of average right now and like, and, and, 
mediocre nutrition standards, mediocre mobility and, uh, and activity level standards that trying to just be consistent in nutrition is, oh, what are you dieting for? What's the, what's the show for? Are you cutting for this sport? What's no, I just, I'm want to be a healthy long-term human, regardless of what my sporting endeavor is. I just want to be healthier. It, it's so awkward to answer. Like I, I don't talk to a lot of people in the community that we live in, but I made friends with, with one of our neighbors and I'm over their house. And I always am, am weird when I meet non-fitness people. Cause I yeah. feel like you have to explain shit all yeah. the time. But like the, his wife asked me like, so do you watch what you eat year round? And it's a lot of resistance. Yeah, you're right. I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, yeah. how do I answer this without being a dick? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I feel like that, that also inserts me into um, certain clients who just don't know like what, what that lifestyle is. Yeah. And I'm like, so I was like, yeah, I said, it, it's not because it's for any specific reason other than I feel like I should practice what I preach. Yeah. And I felt like that was a fair answer, but I mean, do you get questions like that to like the non it's oh, like, yeah. how do you go about answering that anymore? Cause this is just such a foreign concept to people. I, I was saying to Brooklyn that I've said it to a few people and even some of my clients, like I, I don't think I'll ever not be nutritionally aware again in my life for the better. Like I will never, regardless of what phase I'm in, even if I stop bodybuilding at 55, there'll never be a point where I'm like, that's not enough protein. That's not enough vegetables. I'll base my carbohydrates on my training activity levels. I'll base my fats on like, actually, that looks pretty nice. I want to try that. Or maybe I'm going to pull that down a bit. But like building up those nutritional literacy skills, I'll never not be watching my food until the day I die. Like that's just, it's just right. something that's going to happen. But people like, it's like, are you watching your bike riding skills no i just hop on the bike and fucking ride i know that it's like i know how to do it i haven't done it in like five years but i guarantee if i get a push bike i take off but it's just it's just something now that and this is what this is what i what i try to encourage you to understand and it's very specific in in like neurological psychology is that these nutritional skills these training skills building these these underlying habits and base routines is an implicit memory protocol we're trying to teach you long-term skill so that you don't have to watch it like are you watching what you eat when you go and choose biscuits and coffee first thing in the morning or donuts and coffee? No, you just, you, that's what you, you're habituated to buying. You're not watching it. You're not concerning yourself with it. At the same time, we're not concerning ourselves with it. We just know we have to do it. You wake up and go, I need a donut and a coffee at 6.30 from Dunkin's. Well, I need to have my eggs, my toast. I need to have my, my mushrooms, spinach, tomatoes, capsicum, I gotta have that because that tells me my day started properly. And I'll probably have some coffee with it after I've fasted for a couple of hours and I wake up and do my cardio. They're just activities now that are ingrained in me and generally getting up ingrained in my clients that it's not like a, oh fuck, I've got to think about what I do next. It's just, we do it now. But that's the yeah. weird part that people don't grasp with habit formation and trying to build those skills is that they think it's like this forever pursuit of like, oh, I've got to pull out the tracker on my phone. I've got to weigh this and measure this and I've got to do... No, motherfucker, you just like, it's just learning, right? At a certain point where we're building skills. Do you, do you struggle to figure out how to pick up a pen and write or do you just start writing? It's the same principle. Yeah, it. I was thinking about it. Um, I think yesterday, like 
Cause I was, I went to my tailor last week to get, you know, the hot pink jumpsuits that I speak in and I'm yeah. short as hell. So I have to get them all tailored or whatever. And so th there's a guy who owns it and he starts talking to me about competing and the local shows and stuff. I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't compete anymore. I don't know anybody here locally. And he's like name dropping these people. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea who you're talking about. I'm sorry. He's like, oh, I thought you compete. And I'm like, I don't. And it's like, you have to have a reason for looking mm -hmm. a certain way. You can't just look a certain way. And I was but like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I felt like such a dick, but I was like, I, I dude, I don't know who you're referring to. Like, I, I'm not in sad. Like, just, just, yeah. to be, just to be like in a society where having a six pack or training to be trained, eating to be healthy, eating to be lean, eating to live long-term is considered like, oh, you're a bodybuilder. You're an extremity. You must be something yeah. extreme. How, like, what do you got coming up? Nothing. Like, one of my, one of my, one of my probably most adherent clients, 105 kilo, uh, Filipino Polynesian minor works his ass off, does like six to 14 hour days up in the mines as FIFA work. He does not miss like literally, literally track everything lives and breathes, trying to optimize his physique. He's one of those guys who will literally say, you know, we'll go back to body image surely. Cause we're going to kick tangent ranting. Uh, he will literally say, no, I don't think I can compete yet. He's 105 kilos shredded. And he's like, I don't think I'll, I'm ready for the stage. And I'm like, oh man, we gotta, we gotta walk at work about your, your inner self and your inner dialogue. But he's got nothing that he's training for. We literally the conversation that started when he wanted to get, get going was I want to have kids and be able to run faster than them when I'm older and or, or grandkids and be able to pick them up, squat them, throw them around and not worry about something breaking or bending or snapping. And he's like, and I just love training. I was like that that shouldn't be a taboo to me. Like you shouldn't have to explain yourself to me. That should be the standard. Like to me, when I'm looking at optimizing the average person and I'm looking at increasing the standard of the average person, which is what we're trying to achieve. I'm like, that's the mission. That's sick. Yes. I want the elite athletes and the high performers and the business guys and the CEOs and the, you know, the stage ready athletes. But at the base level, we want the guys and girls to be healthy forever and look at this as like a, a lifetime pursuit, not a, Oh, I might get my T optimized for six months. What, what do you mean? What does that mean? What, what does that statement look like? Because what happens afterwards? You go back to eating shit and not knowing how to track it and not being aware of it. Yeah. It, it's such an educational thing. And it, it just makes me realize that we'll, we'll forever have a meaning and a purpose and a mission. And, you know, I, I had, um, I spoke at a conference this weekend and there was a 23 year old guy in the audience and he came up to me after and he's like, what's TRT? I was like, Hmm. So, yeah. And I, I said testosterone and stuff, but it's just, it's interesting that they don't know that exists. And then he was yeah. like, well, when would I be a candidate for it? For it? And I said, honestly, at probably 23, now. yeah, probably pretty <laughs> soon, but you'd have to get labs. But that's like the state of guys. Whereas like 10 years ago, I would be like, you know, you could probably wait 10 years before mm -hmm. you really need to worry about that, you know, but now it's just like, it's like hit the way he grew up is going to be very different from how you and I grew up mm -hmm. and going outside and like having access to, you know, bikes and stuff like yeah. that. Like kids don't really do so much of that. Like when I see kids in our neighborhood and they're like playing basketball outside and everything, I'm like, yeah. Yes. And then there's a kid, he was playing basketball, Ben. And, and like the ball comes through the hoop 
but then it went through this contraption that spit the ball back out. Well, that's, that, that's, not, that's not the same. You're supposed to chase the ball when you miss it. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this shit? I was like, you're taking half the cardio away. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't, I'm not shocked, but also like what the fuck, but you know, anyway. I mean, I, yeah, it's like to kind of like, so a really good chance here to kind of like us for us to dive into TRT and men's health is, is, and this is something I actually talked about Luke with, um, which was that conversation I was mentioning um, when when you were like, oh, you guys will know each other or get along. Um, yeah. We had this really good conversation around the fact that there's so much more about TRT that people don't understand. So people immediately think that by taking TRT, by taking testosterone replacement therapy, we're looking to enhance the physique. We're looking to enhance muscle tone. We're looking to make guys more jacked and they're going to be bodybuilders. And there's all this taboo about, you know, testosterone's illegal and everyone should be scared and taboo about it. No one has a concern when a woman starts medication for menopause or when she starts, you know, cycle issues or things like that. No one's got a concern there. But what we're seeing is the, the average human lifespan, like, right? If we go right back to evolutionary psychology and evolutionary biology, the cell wants to reproduce in order for the species to survive. We are a survival species. It's called threat determination theory, I believe. Threat, threat determination theory, I believe. We're essentially living to reproduce in order to survive and allow the species to carry on. That's what the cell wants to do. We have taken medical science so far now that the average lifespan that would have been 45, 35, old enough to reproduce, pass on your seed, and basically have a colony of young bends running around is now... We're 90, 85, 100, but the system that we operate with, the, the hardware that we have is still designed based on that period of time. So we're living to 90. We're living to this age bracket where everyone's like, oh, men talk and you know, be more open about your health because things are going wrong and you feel sad. We're supposed to like realistically, our, our T system is like the HPG is like, hey, at 40, you guys usually die. So we don't really need much anymore. You guys are sweet. You've done your, reprodu your reproduction and passed on and everything's happy. So we're going to shut down. Oh, medical science, we're going to keep you alive now until you're 90. So you've now got the second the second, second half where you're supposed to be like, yeah, second half is my best years. And we're going, you can't have the thing that makes you better. You can't have the thing that makes you optimal. You can't be aware of it. We're not going to educate you on it. We're not going to teach you about it. People that talk about it are taboo and they're, you know, underground labs and they're evil people and blah, 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 blah. They all just want to be junkies. Reality is most people just need to recognize, and this is a very long-winded question and rant by me, that we're trying to get people to live because I can see very clearly in the research there are strong correlations between andropause, which is the shutdown of men's reproductive sex hormones, and the rest of life and when misery starts to ensue, loss of life purpose and value, midlife crises, buying the red sports car, leaving your wife or having fallouts with the partner and all that sort of jazz. There is a strong correlation between where that kicks in and where that starts. And I think people need to understand that's what we're trying to prevent and improve, right? That's what we're trying to look at with like, get healthy, get your blood work done, be in a better position, take care of your body, take care of your physique, live long-term so that you're banging in 75, not falling. I, I had a client who was 75 and he, he came came to me once. This was like six years ago. Got him on testosterone and he comes in my office. He's like, Allie, I had sex twice last night. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I love it. Yes. I love it. I was you wanna like, know, you want to know one of the biggest consumers of blue pills in Australia? No. Gated in retirement communities. I believe it. I yeah. totally believe it. 
pretty funny. But crazy. Like, like you said, like no one bats an eye with women's hormones, um, unless they go on testosterone, because apparently that's not allowed. But if they go on, you know, they're in menopause, it's normal. Like that's mm-hmm. what's considered like the normal thing. But then like for guys, I think that's a big, a big part of the resistance and, and misunderstanding is that it is this stigma because it comes mm-hmm. in a needle and anything in a needle must be illegal, must be harmful, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. But also like, they don't see it as this is just replacing what you should be yeah. producing biologically. And why do, and why do you think, why do you think that is? Because, you know, yes, it, it is like, I'm going to say it's an absence of education because even over here in our health classes at, at high school, we're not talking about testosterone in the way that it's, it's also mental health providing, you know, it's like testosterone is strongly associated with actually pro-social behavior, pro-social routine, uh, pro-charitability. It's associated with goal orientation and direction. So the things that make men, men, is also being taken away or not taken away. It's being reduced by the body naturally. And we're just not knowing about it. And then we talk about it. Say, Hey, you should probably get on TRT. Oh, but I'm not a bodybuilder. The fuck what? Yeah. And honestly, like I have these conversations. So we have clients that are very new. They don't know anything about testosterone replacement. They just heard like a friend of theirs or whatever. Yeah. So Obviously, the educational process for them is different than somebody who knows what it is, but is just afraid of it. Yeah. So having having to to get them to understand that, like, this is what you should be doing mm-hmm. because your body should be doing this for you and it's okay. I have found a lot of guys struggle with being reliant on it for the rest of their life. Yeah. Like, big hurdle. Do you have guys with that, too? In a sense, like, they're scared of having to use it forever? It's more like, you know, oh, well, I have to rely on something external for the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. yeah. that I think, again, it comes back to like a, that internal hero story, right? Like they don't want to be reliant on something outside themselves as much as they don't want to admit like I'm the, I'm the archetype and I want to be the bravado guy and I want to be jacked and all that. It's like it's scary or taboo to think that you have to rely on something outside of you to help you be you. But that's yeah. like, you know, exactly like we said, you know, we're living to 90 at a certain point, the system has to shut down. So you can be a healthy 90 or you can be a bent over last fuck you 90. So I think that's definitely got like a, an aspect to it where they're just a bit hesitant with the idea that something else outside of them is going to help them be them. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a big struggle that I did not see. I'm not a man. And I had to understand why that was mm-hmm. a big roadblock for them. And then once we got through that, I would explain like, listen, I don't think I have one client who's gone on TRT and been like, you know what? I don't really want to rely on this. This isn't for me because they feel good mm-hmm. and they feel like themselves again. And and so they understand that for women, it doesn't seem like that has that same like educational process when they go on mm-hmm. hormone replacement. It's more because they have, or they, we have three hormones and you guys typically just have testosterone, maybe thyroid. I don't know if we're calling thyroid, but like women have progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. So it's a little bit more complex, but for guys, it's like really simple. And the delivery method doesn't have to be a needle. It can be a cream. Those Mm -hmm. are really the two most optimal ones. Um, But I forgot the tangent that I was going on with (laughs) 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 the 20 of those anyway. I know. 
but I think it's just the whole stigma is like I'm I'm constantly breaking those stigmas down yeah. for guys because I want that to be a normal conversation. I don't want them to be afraid of it. And quite often, like if they have a friend who has introduced them to it because they went on it, that helps the barrier a little bit. Yeah. And then you can just help them kind of understand these are the risks, if there are yeah. any. These are what people will make you think are risks, but really aren't. Yep. Go see people like Primal Zone or Merrick Health or whoever, where now you can understand what it can actually do for mm -hmm. you versus what it can do against you. Yeah. And I think a big aspect too is like, is understanding that that all demographics can benefit from it. Like we're not, it's not like you've got to want to be a bodybuilder, powerlifter, strongman to get on it. Oh, but, you know, I don't need to be this jack for my job. It's not about that. It's not about the physical representation that comes with it. Like it could be like deep down, I'm a massive fucking nerd. Like it is pretty obvious that I'm a gigantic fucking nerd. But yeah, you are. Time I go, <laughs> I'm going to be the most jacked, educated nerd that I can possibly be. And everyone's going to be like, like nerds are cool. This like this guy knows his shit, but also he fucking he'll stay inside and he'll read comics and he'll play fucking games. But like we get this idea that there's like you know, and it goes back to, and again, my, my, some of my favorite stuff about America was that the cliches we see in movies are real. That's why they're cliches <laughs> is because they're true. Like seeing the high schoolers and seeing the groups and seeing the shopping centers, seeing the school zones and locate like there's so many things that are like yeah, we're in a movie. We're like. We, me and Brooke were walking down uh, when we were in Reston and we were walking down the, the, the towards the TVS, I think it's called, um, CVS, and the UPS truck drives past and I grabbed it and I'm like, it doesn't have the door, like in movies, and it stops and it's like the, <laughs> the mailbox. I'm like, this shit's real. We were getting excited about that because like these cliches that we see where it's like, oh, the UPS truck, it doesn't actually look like that. No, it does. The yellow school bus, it looks like the yellow school bus. The school zones look like the school zones. It's so funny. Everything was just like, we started realizing the cliches are true because they're true. That's so funny. I never even considered that. So like, were people as morbidly obese as you like thought they would be? So in a really strange way, and I guess this is going to be a, a good like, um, you know, rep uh, explanation of, of data. The larger the sample population, the larger that sample, the larger the sample is more likely to reflect the actual global population, right? So the more we increase the sample size, the more you increase the population. The larger the population, the more the more the averages are bigger, but also means the extremities and the outliers are bigger, are greater, right? So yeah. you guys, I found, are basically us with bigger extremities. Your third stand or your third deviation, your third stand deviation away is larger, but more extreme. So like. You have, like I was saying about you guys, you you seem to have more, better, greater performance coaches at the top end that are really good because there's so many athletes, there's so many elite people in a population of 360 million. One state of yours is our entire country. So you have this greater population to be able to pull from. But that also means inversely, the other end is also the same extremity. It's just at the other end. So, you know, seeing going through like um, Whole Foods and going through um, Giant and going through the like the retailers and the grocers, very, very, very expected visuals. But at the same time, like when we we're at training, it was cool. Like the, I was almost an outlier in the training environment um, because the average person training is so much more average. But then when you see in the extremes, like at the shop, there was like three pros training there. You won't find three pros training at the same gym here in Australia. But 
in that environment, it's like, oh, so the extremities are more common, but the average is so much more common. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like a bit of a side rant there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like that, that aspect is, is, is seeing this, these cliches and these clicks and stuff. We have this notion to kind of come all the way back that, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a IT guy. I'm a computer jock. I don't need to be fit and healthy and attractive and desirable and have value and, you know, move towards goals in life. I just want to be the computer guy on Friday. I go start drinking beers. It's like, yeah, that's, that's cool. But when you envision the dream of your life, is that what you want it to be for the next 40 years? You're 25 or 26 and just graduated college. Is this you? Because what we see in the research in the terms of like obesity is, you know, people say it's this complex thing. Yes, it's socio-environmental, economic, and all that sort of jazz. It is a very, like the psychosocial environmental model is quite uh, very, uh, complex. However, the rate of gain is minuscule. People don't realize. In the, most Americans put on three to five pounds per year. They'll put on 10 pounds, I think, on average between Thanksgiving and New Year, and some of it comes off. But the net positive stays per year. The issue is that you don't see the first couple of years. You don't see the first few years of you doing less activity and less movement, more drinking, more food. And then it goes, oh, 10 years has gone by. Oh, I wish I could go back to my high school year where everyone's want to have sex with me and I look good in the six pack. It's it's not like your high school year. It's just that every year since you stop doing shit and eating more shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, that to me is like, that's a representation of where the, the education is lacking. The idea is like, oh, my, my metabolism is slowing down. My hormones are slowing down. I go, that's no, they're slowing down because of the fact that you're doing less and eating shit. You stopped like people don't understand how structured life is in school, right? Like we've got, you, you train or play sport, you do PE or phys, phys ed for you guys. You know, you, you go to, you know, lunch breaks where you run around three times a day. You've got like structured recess. You've got, usually there's some sort of structured eating plan that school has nowadays, or your parents give you food. Then you go home and play a sport. And then it's like, Hey, come inside. The lights are on. You know, it's time to go to bed or whatever. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now you're 18 and you've gone to college, parties, drinks, food, maybe play a sport if you're an athlete. Oh, I've graduated that, sport's over, career's over, just go to go to work. That isn't what we're built for. That's not what we're supposed to do. Mm-mm, mm-mm. It, it's a big wake-up call. And it, it's interesting because if it's not your lifestyle, then it almost has to be taught. And like you said in the beginning of when we started talking, how people are doing um, working out maybe three days a week. That's not enough. No. And I think that it is, or an hour a day of movement. It really isn't enough. And when you have a desk job, I understand it could be difficult, but finding the time in the day to take a break, go, go pee, like stand mm-hmm. up, get a standing desk, like a walking treadmill under the desk, like anything to basically mitigate the effects of being sedentary, I think Mm -hmm. are are super important. And I found that like, even during 2020, where I actually had people start tracking their steps because Mm -hmm. they were commuting, they weren't getting sunlight. And I'm like, if you're working from home and you're not getting up and going outside, just go outside for a little bit, smack some D on your face for 10 minutes. Like a big bit of D is... And that will help you, like, you know, make it as perverted as possible because it's me. Exactly. Um, but people were getting like 3,000 steps when yeah. they were working from home and they just were oblivious to it. Yeah. Like, how many people do you know where they're like, yeah, COVID hit and I gained XYZ pounds? Like, mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Um, 
another tangent where I had no idea where I was going with that, but no, I appreciate it because it's true. Like we're, we're looking at, see, this is the thing that people get wrong is that when we're, when we're looking at TRT or, or taking testosterone and talking about like, we're trying to get onto health and we're trying to get to, to training is the bar of entry is so small. It only takes these minuscule habits and systems. Like I talked about at the presentation, um, which you know, was quite well received. I think when people realize, um, you know, even at the extremity, when I've got my national level bodybuilders on stage at, you know, and they're placing the habits that I build for them are the same thing that I teach the average person. It's just less, it's just more extreme, but the barrier barrier of entry is so small and so cheap because it doesn't take much to be healthier than you currently are. The system that we've created in life right now is so accepting of mediocrity and average health and average standards that just the idea of like, Hey, you know, um, the human body wasn't designed to just move 3000 times a day. There should probably be about, you know, 10,000 steps, 7,000. Like the research is pretty clear from seven to 10,000. The jump in health is great. After that, it's like just personal benefit. But like, if I'm, if you're a desk worker and some of my clients are, by all means, like one of my competitors coming up and he's shredded, especially for a natural guy, he's coming up to um, season B, he's like 25. He's a, a an office, I think he's a, tra- a, a stock trader or a share trader, um, something to do with accounting. He was on like five or 6,000 steps a day, but he also can't handle, he's not a very good hungry person. Like I have plenty of strategies for being hungry. I love, like I love cutting, it's easy to me. So I was like, we have two choices, get more steps or pull down food, do more cardio, pull, pull down food. Well, that's basically your options as a natural guy. And he's like, oh, I'll get some more steps. So we've structured thousand step walks around his daytime, around his lunchtime, you know, have a meal, go do 2000 steps, go do a shit, have a thousand steps, finish your sets, do a thousand steps. Like those little actions are because as a clerical worker in an office, he doesn't get it. He doesn't, he won't get it otherwise. And he's a health orientated bodybuilding clerical worker, office worker. So imagine the ones that aren't that way inclined. I mean, not only are you not training your body in resistance in different planes of motion and different movement patterns, you're not in engaged in a physical sport or a physically demanding sport. You're also just not even moving. Just the general design of the human function body was to move and we're not doing it. So we come to this, these conversations about like, well, oh, you guys have six packs and you train to be on stage and that's blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, cool. I love that extremity of it. But the majority of the actions that I'm going to teach you, like I have to, I don't know about you, but I've had to have that conversation. Like I don't just train bodybuilders about a thousand times and everyone's like, oh, I don't have the time to do a six day program. Guess what, fucker? Most people don't. None of my, none of my clients have six days unless they're about two weeks out from show and I've got them like, they're going to do some extra work. But 99% of my clients don't have a six-day program. In fact, I spent eight months on an eight or four-day program and I'm an advanced, I'm an intermediate level bodybuilder that is trying to go pro. So if I'm doing four days, you can definitely get away with four days. It's just, we need to change this lens of anything more than the average is considered extreme and considered trying to be obsessive and neurotic. And like, I don't need that because I just stay on the computer all day. Like that's exactly why you fucking need it. Like you are literally helping shut down the process faster. Like it's so unfair, I think. And, and I could get, this could be a whole nother hour chat for us. It's unfair. I think the lack of education and awareness around the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, the hypothalamic, hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis and what those two things do and how we actually fuck them because they play such a pivotal role in the human body and people don't comprehend them. 
like you, you mentioned the HPG and they'll be like, what is that a TV show? Is that like a, a new TV that's come <laughs> out? What's that? And you're like, yeah. this is like a fundamental system of the human body that males need to know that is going to help you live long-term, go full Star Trek with it, live long and prosper, be healthy, be sexually, you know, for lack of a better word, dominant in that you're choosing your mate, you're, you're producing an offspring and a bloodline that will continue to survive. That is the endeavor. But the second you mention like training twice a week or doing some extra cardio by going for a fucking walk with your dog or, you know, getting up at 6am to get some sunlight, it's this weird kickback of that's a bit extreme. I don't do that. You'll make time for things you prioritize. And I, I want to say like, I've been criticized for using this line, but also I've been celebrated for saying to people, like, if they can't, if they can't do something, they don't want it bad enough. And again, there are special situations yeah, where people life things or whatever, but if you want something bad enough, you make it happen. And mm -hmm. like when my schedule was completely packed, like a few weeks ago, and my Luke, my, my coach had me on a grueling cut for the Mark Bell podcast. And he had me doing fasted cardio. And I was like, fuck, like I start my days really early, but I was like, I'll just get up earlier, go mm -hmm. to bed earlier. I made it happen. Like mm -hmm. I had breaks, half hour breaks. Like I just, I, I got shit done that I, that I didn't used to. And thank God we do have things for convenience, like grocery delivery and stuff mm -hmm. like that. When you use it for the purpose that it should be for convenience, but then that allows you to free up your time for other things. So similar to when people say, I don't have time, I ask them to audit what are they doing yes. with their time that they can outsource. Yep. Can you outsource cleaning the house to somebody? Like, are there resources for that? Cool. Can you do grocery delivery? That way that frees up that time. Cool. Like, what are you spending extra time on that maybe mm -hmm. you don't have to that can be spent on what is kind of the priority here? Similar to our business, like, if all our time is spent training people, we can't work on the business. We're yeah. still working, you know? So it's a similar concept. And I think it's a harsh reality because the anti-diet culture and the anti-extreme yeah. culture has made this more comfortable for people, right? Because they're like, yeah. well, that's extreme, like you said, or like, you know, doing anything twice a day is like crazy, you know, mm -hmm. or if you do stuff like that, you're crazy <laughs> or God forbid you go for two walks a day. You're fucking <laughs> Fuck, where do you have so much time in your hands? Yeah. As I had like, Instagram like somebody in our, in our community thought I walk around my neighborhood all day. And I was like, I take like two or three walks a day for like 15 minutes in between clients so mm -hmm. I can walk the dog. But also like it provides help and clarity and, and like yeah. mental like, it, it, sunlight, all that stuff. Like there's a lot of good stuff but they think it's weird to walk yeah. like it's what since when was walking somewhere weird like people walk to the grocery store all the time and you saw in the beginning of my presentation i was throwing up slides of 80s tvs and mm -hmm. like handle people used to roll down the window in the 90s and how cars used to yeah. require two keys to open them all things that required more movement yeah. Then now we can just lie on the couch and press buttons on a remote and that controls like our entire life. Yeah. You know, or our phone, like we can literally order anything from our phone. Like you don't have to leave the couch and it's yeah. really crazy. But I mean, there's robot vacuums now. We don't have to fucking vacuum. Like we literally don't have to lift a finger if we don't want. 
it's a it's a, it's a it's a strange time where like the advancement of technology and science i would almost argue has stagnated the, the the need for advancement or evolution of the human body there's going to be a point in time where it almost has a counter swing where we've like we've made for convenience so great that the need for and we're seeing this and this again is a nice little addition to trt and being healthy is that we're not requiring to have higher testosterone because we aren't confronting the battles. We aren't confronting the monsters that are underneath the bed. You know, as Peterson talks about, like um, the play, the thing you want most is probably seeked in the cave that you don't want to look for. Um, you know, kill the dragons under your bed before it grows too big. People aren't confronting their demons and confronting these problems and, and facing the beast outside like we used to when we were in the cave and there was a saber tooth outside and there was a, a fucking dinosaur trying to hunt us and there was all these you know predators that were actually predators trying to take us out and we had to defend our family or we had to go make sure that we had food or meat to survive the winter these were life or death have as much jacked up testosterone as possible apex predator style we're going to run the planet in a thousand years that's what we needed to have back then we created a society where having such convenience and lack of demand for that growth has meant that the system's going to go, well, if you're not using it, you're going to lose it. Pretty much. Yeah. That's why guys struggle now. I mean, taking decisive action is not a daily thing. Like that's what a lot of women look for in guys. Mm -hmm. And this is going down like, you know, the masculinity route, but it's true. Like, and, and I'm not sure when all this started, but I mean, I, I own a business. I feel pretty independent, but I don't want to take the lead in my relationship. I mm -hmm. want the man to lead. I think chivalry is still absolutely um, received very favorably from women. I don't think it's determined as misogynistic. Like there's this mystery movement out there to eradicate masculinity and men from earth. And when you talk to most women, they usually are happy to have a guy hold the door for them or mm -hmm. pull their chair out or something like that. So it's like, well, where are all the women that seemingly hate dudes? Is it mm -hmm. just on social media? Is it just in the media? Well, like, you know, <laughs> where is this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, okay. So let's, let's actually get into some 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 educational points here because we're just going to end up ranting and hating everyone and not really hating everyone but ranting about them anyway like i told you we're gonna need four hours we're lucky this isn't in person otherwise we'd have we'd have had breaks if this was in person we'd be like, right we're gonna train we're gonna have a break and get a meal in then we're gonna come back into the second half we're gonna, take some, we're gonna take some c4 and do it again so sounds like the perfect day though yeah no, it's a great time we're gonna do that when we come back to america for sure um so when we're looking for TRT, we're looking for health. We're looking for these things, especially in, in, in men that will benefit from them. What are you looking for? Like, I know what I'm looking for and I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, these are things I want to improve. But from your perspective and listeners are going to understand it and why silverback is so important, which we're going to give you a huge chance to, to rip on into um, shortly, is what are you guys looking for? How do you go about optimizing them? Because we've just spent you know a long time and I think listeners will benefit from understanding I can almost guarantee when Ali starts to talk about how to improve your testosterone and how to naturally get more optimal and healthy, the 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 things we just spent an hour talking about, the basics, the fundamentals, are what she's going to say. Hey, get the fuck up, go for a walk, go fight, go fight someone, go fight the battle, go to the gym, go fucking gun under the heavy weights. You know that's going to be the basis of what she's talking about. But what are we looking for? How do you guys go about that? optimality process not just saying like here trt is your excuse or trt is your your crux just take it 
you're also trying to optimize life, right? Yeah, it, it's like, it's a game changer to see when, when a guy can bring together all aspects of his health and it goes right along with his physique and his brain and everything. So like I've, I've had consults with guys when they've started coaching and yep. they're a little passive, they're not so sure of themselves. They're not mm -hmm. that confident in the way they speak and they're not sure about testosterone. And I'm like, listen, we don't have to jump right into that. Like yeah. let's get healthy first. Like you said, it's not a panacea. It's not going to solve all our problems, but it can be an aid in helping you feel and look a certain way, mm -hmm. but more also for the the neuro uh, protective mechanisms, mm -hmm. cardioprotective mechanisms, all that. It, it's devastating to a guy's health to have it low. Yep. So let's start. Getting labs done is like the first step. Let's just see how you function on the inside because we can assess everything from the outside. We can handle the training. We can handle the nutrition. We can handle mm -hmm. your sleep. So it's starting there. Let's get somebody as resilient and healthy as possible before or if they already are on TRT. And, and that I did, I termed GPP for TRT, which in the strength conditioning world, GPP stands for general physical prep. Mm -hmm. So it's basically like you're prepping to do something that mm -hmm. is inevitable as a man. Yep. So how do we start? So if somebody has a lot of body fat to lose, then we're going to get rid of that because that is causing inflammation. And if we add a hormone, to your body that does not want it and is suppressing production of it, it's not going to be a good time. So mm -hmm. we're going to get rid of that body fat and we're going to take a certain approach physically and nutritionally. And then once a guy gets leaner, now he's in a much better place to take control over other things in his life. Mm -hmm. And the confidence starts to come through because mm -hmm. he's lean, he's feeling more jacked or whatever. So Maybe we consider testosterone then because now he's a lot healthier. Mm -hmm. When we add that in, it's literally kind of like night and day because the first things guys notice are like the mental clarity that comes along with that. Because mm -hmm. brain fog is a huge symptom of low testosterone. Usually guys associate, does my dick work? Yes, it does. Okay, my testosterone must be fine. When it's probably like the third thing on the list or even lower. So mental clarity, like brain fog, ability to sleep, ability to just decide stuff and not kind of waver and, you know, take the lead on things when it comes to work or family mm -hmm. or anything social. When I talk to guys in that point of their transformation, it, it's like a completely different person. They're so much more confident. You hear it in their voice. And I'm like, yo, who am I talking to right now? <laughs> Me and like, my wife, totally... we got shit on. <laughs> I'm like, kind of sexy now. No, I don't hit on my clients like that. But I kind of, you what, know, like, <laughs> that's after hours. It costs extra. <laughs> but if you hype them up, because I'm like, yo, like, does your wife notice anything? Because I notice a huge difference. And just like their excitement to be here and like mm -hmm. how they talk, it just comes across. And then as they continue on that journey, because this is something that you have to continue for a long time, mm -hmm. like the rest of your life, they go into the physique stuff even deeper. When I say physique, it doesn't mean competing, yeah. but they notice a vein or they notice yeah, like yeah. abs popping out or whatever. And it's so encouraging and it's like yep. so cute. They're just like, holy shit, I never thought I would have abs. Yeah, Like I feel so much stronger and it's like, 
utterly amazing that you see this person transform in front of you. And now they look the way they want. Mm-hmm. They now have the confidence to act how they think they should, but they also have the body to go along with that. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, wow, I feel like I should have a long time ago, but I'm glad that I started. And a lot of guys will say, I can't believe I waited this long to get on mm-hmm. testosterone. And it's it's crazy how, uh, I had a point here in my head. Uh, uh, it's going to frustrate <laughs> me. I had a really good point there. Uh, that's going to annoy me. It'll come to you. It'll come it's going to come you. to me. It's going to frustrate me. But you're right, is, is in the sense of, I wish I started sooner, right? The best day to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best day yeah. is today. So getting that that optimality, if you will, it helps you just be more of the man you're supposed to be. Like, again, we have those taboos and these sensitive topics around like, oh, it's, it's just used to get my dick hard or build a six pack. But how many men have you worked with where the, and this is oh, that, that's my point, got it. When we look at the matter model, right? And I presented this on stage and this is why we, we align quite heavily so well. And we talked about this in the inbox just the other day um, is the psychosomatic connection is so much greater than people think. The brain, the psychology, your consciousness, your subconsciousness and your body are so intertwined more than people realize that this is why we view it as so important and, and bodybuilding is a reflection of the brain or, or like people's deep rooted desires is you're literally creating these skills and these confidences and these abilities that can be cross correlated to other fields. Like what you've just done in the gym and in your physical life, can those same things now be implemented into your relationship with your wife? Can it now be implemented in the office? Can it now be with your kids? Can it now be in the sporting field that you play on or, you know, with the environment, wherever it is that you exist and do your thing. Are you now more dominant there? Are you now more confident there? Are you now more, are you outgoing there? Are you outspoken there? Are you taking on more challenges, confronting demons? Like all these things that you perhaps were just passive in a pushover about previously. Well, now you're not kick, like, kissing the boss's ass on a Friday being like, yeah, I'll stay back and do the extra hours. Like, no dickhead, get these guys to do it because they're not doing their fucking job and I'm sick of being everyone else's like doormat. You start to feel those confidences build and you're like, where the fuck did that come from? You're like, oh yeah, I'm not a bitch. I'm not going to sit here and cop shit because I've built this, I've worked for this, and like I'm confident about who I am now. There's the like I see it with my guys, but I, w- I would definitely assume the amount of men you work with, especially at that level where you're seeing the same thing. Oh my God. Yeah. And it, it's like it's so attractive in a way where it, it's like that, that's I feel how men should act. Mm-hmm. The whole like, uh, let me ask permission or I don't know, or whatever, mm-hmm. like. Or even if you meet someone in person, like their physical handshake, if that thing is like this, it's like instant turnoff. I have no confidence in that person. And I feel that that goes along with it, but they, they, it really levels up their entire life. And like, I laugh because also like they can't stop taking shirtless selfies and they're like, sorry, like, I feel like this is rude. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, especially we have a guy named Cole who's 27. He was in my slides and he's competing this fall and he just can't stop taking photos. And I'm like, don't you ever stop? Cause he was so overweight. Like, yeah, you like so overweight. And he's just like, I never thought I could look like this. And I said, don't ever stop taking these photos and share them with mm-hmm. the fucking world because yep. there are people out there that are going to be inspired because of how you looked beforehand. And mm-hmm. this is in less than a year. 
And they're going to think if he can do it, I can do it. And this 100%. kid works very hard and all of that stuff. And then some of my guys, they'll leave me voice memos and they'll be like, you know what? I just want to let you know, like, I really appreciate you because I've come a long way. Like how good are those messages? Clarity, you know, that that's the best versus yeah. like this, <clears throat> not a neediness anymore. It's more yeah. of like confidence and stuff. Yeah. yeah that stuff. And, and it's such a, it's such a, uh, a positive feeling to know that you've kind of played a role in that. Like you're like, yeah, the way it feels when you get those messages and, and that they're taking that confidence step and, like you said, you know, they're, they're feeling more assertive and confident to take the photo and share the photo. You know, I'd never, I never see one person be like, you know, on say like a, not to kind of always make it go back there, but you see a woman who's feeling confident and boss babe in herself and she'll take the photo regardless of her body composition, beautiful boss babe, go you, you're killing it. A guy takes a photo because he's feeling his six pack all of a sudden that he's never had in his entire life. You watch this guy just reshape his entire world. And he's the, like the, the best way for him to reflect that is to show off his six pack. And all you get is like bodybuilding is just vain and narcissistic. And they're just about their egos. And he's just test makes guys up themselves and blah, blah, blah. You're like, hang on. This guy has just changed his entire life. Everyone around him is experiencing it for the better. And he is now conquering his world as, as men are supposed to do. If we, if we go back, like the greatest stories and archetypes we have is like, the conqueror story where the man, like I'm the general of this army that I'm going to lead and I'm going to take shit over. I'm going to fuck shit up and I'm going to go to Napoleon and Caesar with everything. And I'm going to take over the world and they do it. And then we shun them for it because they're like, Oh, you're just a vain dick. It's like, no, no, this person has fucking earned every inch of what is on that body mentally and physically. And you're just like going to dismiss that. I know share the fuck out of it. Post that shit. Yeah. Nothing will trigger people more than when you do things that they can't do. 100%. Or when you, you have what they probably want, but never will get. And yeah. you learn that the more successful you become, mm-hmm. the way you look, like the way you look can be triggering. You can't even say, you don't have to say a word. And it's just the way you look that can really piss somebody off because, you know, what's that quote? Like you'll never be criticized by people doing more than you. Exactly. And that's one of my one of my favorite philosophers. Uh, is a very existentialist philosopher from the from the late eighteen hundreds. Um, is uh, Frederick Nietzsche, and he has this book that he's wrote. That I, was, I was saying you should get around to reading one day. It's called Thus Spoke Zarathustra, and it's about this idea about this man who goes away in the uh, goes away in the hills, moves away from society, because he starts to identify these people, these different forms of people. There's what he calls the herd. There's what he calls the the um, the herd has different stages. Um, one of them is called the zombie. Uh, from inside the herd, there is like, you know, the the average of everyone. And then he's like, there's going to be this evolution. The next evolution of man is, is, is beyond being what we are. We're not going to be another level of man. We're going to be what's called the Superman or what he calls the Ubermensch. And the Ubermensch is basically like this, this manifestation of the next level of, of humankind that is supposed to evolve and want more things. It's like the, the greater version of humanity is the next it's the bridge it's the the gap between evolution of greatness and basically they're supposed to step out from the crowd and chase the great thing the issue is that when he comes down to tell people about this and tell the world is he's mocked and ridiculed and made fun of and that's the herd the herd feels safest inside the parameters of the herd they're safest in there because they're secure and they're protected and taken care of you know that they're not they're not doing anything great because they're not stepping out they're also not made fun of they're not mocked or ridiculed or challenged and so majority of society will reside inside the herd 
and then ridicule and attack and try to bring anyone back in that tries to step out because they're going to be the changer. They're going to be the one who does something different. They're going to be unique. But up until they do it, and literally how often do you see it, everyone that tries to do something crazy is made fun of until they do it, and then you hear the stories of how you met them. Yes. Oh, my God, yeah. Now now that I've I've had a, a very big growth year, there's people coming out of the woodwork. They're like, hey, if you ever want to collaborate on something, and I'm like, like what? And they're like, like a project or some sort of, I'm like, do I know you? <laughs> like, what? what? You know, it's just, it, it's crazy, but it's something I actually have to prepare clients for. And I'm sure you have this conversation too, where they're going to be alienated by their social circle, mm-hmm. oh, especially yeah. if it's completely opposite of what yep. their social circle thinks is priority. And if they drink alcohol and if they yep. are overweight and all of that, I mean, that is like, Man, I didn't realize how bad that was until I started mm-hmm. really coaching people who dealt with that. And I'm like, listen, anytime you try to change, they're going to tell you you changed. They're going to mm-hmm. make it seem negative. And it's not negative. Just keep going. And you're going to fail. You're going to succumb to peer pressure. And it's yep. okay. But yep. you'll be more resilient as time goes on. I've I've built this idea that in in isolation sorry, in, in collectivism, in speaking to men as a group, like, cause I come from a rugby league background. So very group based, like sporting endeavors and, and like drinking uh, environment culture. If you ask everyone inside the group, what they want or what their goal is, what their physique goal is or what the training goal is, or whatever, I, you know, I just want to go a grade or I just want to be reserved grade, or I just want to be like, you know, D2, you guys call it. You know, I'm just happy here and I just want to play. Take each one of those on their own and ask them individual questions. Where do you want to see yourself in five years? Like, I'd love to go to the NRL. I'd love to go to the NFL. I'd love to go professional. Because it's it's a fear factor to speak up and actually say to the world what it is you want out of fear of being mocked and made fun of. Because we have such a, a banter culture where it's like telling someone you want to go pro, telling someone you want to be a billionaire, telling someone you want to be this business owner, telling someone you want to be this, this like, I want to get this degree. It's so far away from what they're all doing. And the social circle doesn't want you to do it because it means you change. It's why I term them anchors because the the anchors in your life want to fix you to where you are and prevent you from going further. You can have a rope and you'll go a little bit further. You can go a bit, but at a certain point, if you don't cut the anchor, you don't cut the rope, you're just going to be driving the rudders and the engine's going to be going, the turbines are pushing, but you're going nowhere. You're going to stay in the same spot. Eventually you come back to the same shore, the same dock, and you just do the same thing. At a certain point when you start to evolve as a person, especially as a man, if your social circle isn't cultivating that growth with you, they are then essentially working against you, especially when it comes to like physique development, mental health development, sexual orientation development, sexual health development. Like if we're talking about sex hormones and we're talking about training, nutrition, psychology, mental health, the, the ones you think are your biggest supporters will often be the ones that are holding you back the most. And it's like at a certain point, you have to get to this assessment where like, and it's a true assessment. You have to reflect on this and say, is this circle facilitating where I want to be? Am I surrounding myself with people above me or better than me or, or having bigger conversations? In Australia, it's a very heavy rooted culture of like sitting around the table on a Saturday night, having drinks, having beers, going to the pub, all that jazz, watch the footy, which is fine. I have no problem with this. But when you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start bodybuilding. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start training. I'm going to start taking care of my health. I'm going to run this business. I can't come out anymore. You get the, you know, the piss take messages like, oh, you're, you've changed, you know, piss weak, you know, you're boring, yada, yada, you're a wet blanket. 
it will hold everyone down. You're never fun anymore to try and lull you back into the herd. And yeah, you're looked as the outsider, you're ostracized, you're made fun of, you're mocked, ridiculed, whatever. But the thing is at a certain point, if you get into the right circles or growth orientated circles or mentorship circles, you're not being made fun of for being different. You're being encouraged. And it's such a, like, it's such a, again, a taboo thing that people don't understand is like, when we talk about optimizing your health, that means your environment. It means not just your, your TRT. It doesn't mean just taking testosterone. There's no point in us giving you these things and these recommendations. And then you're going to get shit faced Thursday through Monday. And then being like, I don't get why this didn't work for me. And this health isn't better. And like, we know it's because these things are happening. There's some people here that you got to cut off before we move to the next step. You have to make that a post that optimizing your health is about your social circle. If you haven't already, it has to be like a, a Twitter style statement post because that is so powerful because people don't think of that. Like they think, right. you know, be optimal. What supplements, what do I inject? Yeah. Like, what do I eat? You know, mm-hmm. they don't think about but that social circle is such an important part. Like think about when we were in the event together in, in the U S Oh, that's so much fun. we literally, we all stumble at the gym at the same time. Like yep. how much more at home could you feel when you're yep. with staff efforting and like the merit crew and yep. like you know, me and Chad and, and their training, like fuck yeah. so much fun. Dude, take any like Joe blow off the street. They're not going to understand that unless we made him part of our circle. And then he wanted what we wanted. But Mm -hmm. the fact that they had, you you know, meal preps, meal prep shipped, getting the meals, like obtaining that is not weird. If you tell someone that you had meals shipped to your hotel and they don't understand that lifestyle, they're going to think that's really strange, you know? Mm -hmm just like our clients, like I had to explain to them, like when you travel, it's okay to get grocery delivery. It's okay yep. to get deli turkey. Cause you know, deli turkey is not cooked in anything weird mm-hmm. or get meals shipped. Like any meal prep, most meal prep companies will do that. Yeah. Yeah. But finding that because you might have to be the single person doing that in the circle that you're in. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're the weirdo, like in the airport lounge, I'll put chicken in a cup. That's really yeah. fucking weird to the people that are looking at you at the salad bar. Who cares? You're probably never going to see them again. Yeah. Like, you know, literally like the, 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 the story I shared the other day, and it's a, a Hamozi quote, but it's more of a philosophical quote is it's very stoic based in, in like reflection on death and passing is that everyone in this room is going to die. So why let the opinions and thoughts of people that will die and not mean anything to me in a hundred years dictate my actions it's literally that like you're whether you love your friends, whether they're friends you want to get rid of, whether you want to move on from them, whatever at a certain point, they're all going to die. They're all going to pass on. They're all going to pass away. It's a sad reality of life. And if you kind of that like angst with that, you probably need to reassess what you know about life. But the fact is that in the interim, if they aren't supportive of you, then who cares anyway? Like, but we're all going to pass. So why let their thoughts dictate your reality? That's just a horrible way to live to prevent you from being better. Totally. And you talked me off the ledge many times because my first real troll experience was last week where people who didn't understand me or what I'm about came at me. And I'm used to people who are on my page who love what I promote Mm -hmm. and all of that. And when you get the exact opposite, it really opens your eyes to psychology. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, why are these people so hurt and triggered by Mm -hmm 
me promoting something positive. It's not even like it was a very polarizing taboo social topic. Nope. It was about the fact that I'm on testosterone replacement, but because I look a certain way, people mm-hmm. got very upset. And it was like the lashing out and all of that. And it's it's like, these are not people I would associate with. So you're mm-hmm. like, don't worry about their opinion. And I'm like, damn, like he's really right because it's like in person, none of these people would be my friend. I would never hang out with anyone like this. And if you're not around the people that understand you, it's going to be very difficult to continue what you're doing. And and Mm -hmm. I think that that's actually like the biggest roadblock for people who are married to someone who they evolve or they grow apart because that person wants to change their lifestyle and their health. And then the person is triggered, but, but you're like, you're married and stuff like yeah, I've, I've had that conversation a couple of times where the the relationship has to be navigated in conjunction with, like, you know, I want to go to this level, I want to get here, I want to do these things. Like, okay, but you've got to understand you're not an individual. No man is an island. You have a supporting network, you have a family and all that sort of stuff. And we're not saying, we never say get rid of that. We're not saying, hey, piss that off. But we have to be aware that we need to educate your partner as well. Which a lot of the times I end up coaching couples because the the partner will see the result alongside it and go, well, I need to understand this better too. I want to learn more about nutrition. Actually, I want to be healthier, which is great. But when they don't do that, it becomes tricky because now I'm navigating two diets. I'm navigating two people for the price of one client, but the one client I can't actually talk to that I need to work with. And so you start to get that like resistance curve and you're getting like the, I've got to make two different meals. Well, no, we just got to teach you how to track food and understand nutrition better. And that way you can flexibly include whatever you want, but just optimize health a bit better and be better with understanding micros and vegetables and blah, blah, blah. blah. But you get to that, sometimes you get that pushback point where it's like, you know, I don't want to have to do this. Or you've gone to the gym now three times a week. What about me? And it's like, it's it's hard to to not dismiss, but also you, you, you end up fighting against it. It's an uphill battle when the partner isn't quite on board, especially for someone that you're that they respect so much. So they're so invested in obviously, right? It's a relationship. They're married or they're together long term. And it's like, I don't want this to be an issue. I want you to be on the same page. But this person wants to evolve their lifestyle. You should probably support that. And if you don't, it's going to make life harder for both of you. Yeah, that that just it it pains me to see because I, I can't imagine life with somebody who's so vehemently against that. I mean mm-hmm fuck <laughs> i couldn't live that way like even even my husband and i like we both are very hyper independent and we travel a lot and people don't mm-hmm. understand that. and i'm like he's all about my career and i'm about his so we yeah. let each other do the thing but if for a second there was resistance like that would be a problem yeah but i can't imagine like you're sitting at a dinner table and like someone would be like ben like why don't you eat this with me or ali like you can have one bite or whatever and i'm like man just to have that every week or to have that every day i don't know it, it's tough and and like if if the wife is available when i'm talking with the husband then i usually ask that they come on and yeah. and sometimes they're like what do i have to cook i don't mind making yeah. you know multiple things if yeah. i have to like you know and i'm like thank God. <laughs> you know, yes. That's awesome. You know, cause it's big. Or if guys who were recently divorced and they don't know how to cook and they don't really know how to navigate, like I've literally made a Costco list of like prepped food for guys, like mm-hmm. just eat this and you'll be fine. Cause they have no nutritional literacy yeah. because they've been, 
you know, not brainwashed, but they've had someone cook for them their whole life and they've yeah. only made certain things and it turned them into something they don't want to be anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we've got another three hours of ranting here, so we're gonna we're gonna I know. It somewhere. <laughs> this sucks. Because it's gonna be we have to have like four or five of these. There'll be a whole series by the time we get out and you actually end up over <laughs> in Australia or we get back to America. Um let's, let's, Let's let's rapid fire some um some some questions to finish off with because well that's what we love. Um, give us your favorite myths about TRT. Five favorite myths. Oh, that it's going to give people roid rage. So like if you were a dickhead before, you're going to be a dickhead no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it causes heart attacks, it doesn't. The fact that it causes prostate prostate cancer, it does not. Mm-hmm. The fact that it causes hair loss. It is not solely responsible for hair loss. Um, and the fact that people think it will make them into the Hulk overnight, which it won't. <laughs> like I wish. I'd be jacked yeah. five years ago. Right. Awesome. Okay. Favorite or favorite, most frustrating industry bit of bullshit. Let's go to your top five industry misconceptions in general. Uh, that people don't need to be hungry when they diet. Um, this whole anti-diet culture really pisses me off because in order to get dick skin lean, like you really need to go into a pretty deep deficit and be hungry Mm -hmm. and uncomfortable. But then on the other side, if you're not eating enough to support that, the training that you're doing, you're not going to grow muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're soft on that pretty much. I don't know everything else in the industry, (laughs) like, You know, just the whole like low carb, no carb, keto, like anything with a label, like why can't we just learn how to eat? Mm -hmm. But I get it because there's a lot of misinformation. Um, And then also that cardio, they think cardio is bad or people think aerobic conditioning is bad, which it's not. It's it's making a comeback now. So it's cool again. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think those are probably it. I love it. I love it. Um, All right. Give us a description a rundown uh an insight into the silverback and what it is because there is a big summit coming up this is ali's baby um and something that i'm looking forward to attending one day very soon and will hopefully help you establish here in australia to run give us a rundown on it so if people cannot come to the u.s in november to austin texas it's okay we are selling the recording so don't worry but the Silverback Summit was created because there are no men's health events mm-hmm. like this that are delivered in an unfiltered environment that is fun. Like we literally provide all the truth surrounding TRT, mm-hmm. training, fitness, nutrition, body dysmorphia, steroid law, like masculinity, all in one room mm-hmm. so that anybody, whether you're a practitioner, you're a coach, you're just a normal guy, you can attend that, you can receive all this information, you can level up your life just by being in the room with like-minded people like you and I were talking about, people who are going to be supportive of you and similar to what you want in life and probably look the part as well. Mm-hmm. We've got G Drinks uh, C4 as a sponsor, so we will be well-caffeinated in That's addition awesome. to having a sex toy company as a sponsor. So That's we awesome. will have clear prostate massage tools, anal play tools, like anything that you could ever want. Um, because my personality is twisted and fucked up. And so I want that to be reflected in my event. So come on. <laughs> There's some gimp masks walking around in the fucking foyer. <laughs> I can't make any promises, but I also 
probably should slap a label on this as like NC-17 or whatever. So proceed with caution. Anyway, um, so it's November 9th through 11th in Austin, Texas, and we're hoping to bring it overseas to Australia next year. So silverbacksummit.com, if you guys want to purchase the recordings, those are for sale on pre-sale. Otherwise, I have David Lee, who's from Australia, and my coach, Luke Lehman, who's from Brisbane. They're both coming over to speak. So it's going to be the ultimate party. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. It's and then next time. year, you'll be there. Yes, for sure. We'll make it happen. I'm so, so yeah. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so excited for more like America stuff. Like, I just, like, I, I want to, I want to say you guys should apologize to other Americans because you've set such a precedent of what Americans are to us now that has changed my opinions of Americans. But <laughs> a certain coach that I know also said, don't set the bar too high because we're not like everyone else. And I was like, that's fair. That's probably a pretty fair reflection. So I was like, you guys have made it hard for people to come afterwards because now I've got a high expectation of what Americans are like. <laughs> well, we, we could stick you in a Walmart in the middle of nowhere and then reintroduce you to the circle. And then you'd be like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you need a buffer, like a, a fresher, just feel good again. It's like, go this way, go here, then come back to the group. Okay. Now I feel good again. Yeah. But honestly, like I, I literally never felt closer to somebody that I just met than yeah. with you guys. And it's just like you find your people and then mm -hmm. you hang on to them because you, you know that like, all right, you guys are in alignment in so many different ways. Those are the friendships that you're going to have for life. And like you said, mm -hmm. get rid of the toxicity that's surrounding mm -hmm. you that may be holding you back. Life will be so much better that way. When the crazy, like, uh, you know, social media cops a lot of bad raps of being distracting and stimulating, blah, 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 all the shit. And yes, it is. But some of the greatest things about social media has been that some of the most, you know, growing up before the age of internet and social media meant that you were friends with who was in your environment, unless you managed to get to a new environment. If you were an elite athlete and got to go to like the Australian Institute of Sport, or you got to go to like the pro level sport team, you know, then you kind of mixed up your environment a bit. But it was kind of like inside my circles where I was inside my circle. And that was like, Hey, the homegrown hero kind of started to spring out of those ideas. Cause you didn't go anywhere else, but social media has allowed people to connect ideas and traverse the global landscape and be able to connect with people like them. You would never have otherwise met like no. 50 years ago. I don't meet Cav in a random park, car park and, and chat shop. I don't get to go to a summit in America where I come from Australia where no one knows who I am and present information to then meet you guys. Like that doesn't happen. Now, the greatest positive of social media is that if you use it properly, you're able to cultivate a circle that isn't your, even in a circle. It's not, there's no circle. It's just like, I've got people in different aspects of Australia and different parts of Australia and different parts of the world now that, I'll converse with and they're like, oh, I can't wait for you to come here and we need to organize a workshop here and do this. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like there are literally people around the world that I can speak to like that and be like, hey, we're going to do a seminar over there and they'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Like that's fucking yeah. crazy to me. Fucking crazy. Literally, it was like the second day I met you, you're like, oh, you can have your seminar here. Let me introduce you to this guy. And I'm like, I could be a serial killer for all you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, so could I. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> dude this right. is fine give man. us your give us your uh your links your details contact details how does everyone follow you and get in touch with you if they aren't already 
Slide in the DMs at the Allie Gilbert on Instagram. Nothing is TMI in my world. It's pretty much the best place to find me. (laughs) Just don't send dick pics, please. Um, Yeah. And then silverbacksummit.com if you guys are interested in attending or buying recordings. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. It has been an absolute blast. Somehow we've managed to go for nearly two hours. I don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) I told you it would have been four if it was in person at least. The whole day. All right. I'm going to love you and leave you there because we have to, to move on, but I appreciate you stopping by. It's been so much fun. Thank you.